Hi, welcome to Summit Church. We are one church in multiple locations in Central Florida. We believe that your story, told truthfully, is good news to those who are near to God and those who are far from God. And no matter where you find yourself, you are welcome here. Join us in listening to this week's sermon. Hey, what's up, Summit Church? Happy New Year. So good to be with you. If you don't know me, my name is Michael. I get the honor and privilege of being one of the pastors here. I wanna welcome you to today's service. Hopefully, we'll get the chance to meet you at some point. Love for you to fill out the Connect card uh, on the QR code that's on your screen right now. We'd love to tell you more about why Summit Church is the place to be. Well, I once read a story about a young couple. Now, it was their uh, first year of marriage and it was around Christmas time. And they were spending the holidays together for the first time. So they wanted to kind of set up their own traditions as a married couple. So they go out and they go to the store and they don't have a lot of money, but they, they buy a few things. They get a baked ham and they're going to go home and prepare uh, the meal together. So they return to their tiny apartment and begin to prepare this meal for themselves. And uh, the young bride, uh, she takes out a pan and, and she puts the ham in the pan and she takes out a knife and she starts cutting off both sides of the ham and throwing them away. And her husband is like beside himself. He's like, honey, why, why would you throw that ham away? We don't have much money. You're wasting good parts of the ham. And she goes, well, I don't know. I mean, this is just how my mom has always made the ham growing up. Her husband says, well, why did she do it that way? And the wife says, I don't know. I'd never ask her. So they call her mom and they say, mom, you know, why did you cut off both sides of the ham when you were preparing it? And her mom said, well, I don't know, sweetie. I, that's just the way my mom did it. So they were like, okay, well, let's call grandma. So they call grandma and they say, grandma, why'd you do this? And grandma says, well, honestly, I've never really thought about it. That's just the way my mom did it. Your great grandma. Well, unfortunately, great grandma was no longer with them. But they did have her cookbook. So they pull out great grandma's cookbook and they look up her ham recipe. And there in the margins of great grandma's cookbook is her handwriting from the 1930s. And she made a note to herself. She wrote, I didn't have a pan big enough for the ham. You see, what began as a real practical solution at, at that moment, unfortunately and unknowingly became a tradition that got handed down from generation to generation. I mean, if you think about it, we all recognize how easy it can be to lose sight of what we do and, and why we do it, simply because that's just how things have always been done. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that traditions are bad. I believe there are many things about traditions that are really good. Like, for instance, every year for the last 16 years, our family has watched the Harry Potter series during the holidays. Every night before a birthday in our home, we decorate the whole house. And twice a year, I get to watch Florida State beat up Miami and the University of Florida. Those are great traditions. However, traditions and traditionalism can take us off course and off mission if we aren't careful. Rather than taking the time to reevaluate and assess and say, okay, what has God been doing in our past? And what does God continue to call us to do that is universal across time? We can get stuck and sideways about maintaining things without fully understanding why and if even if it's helpful to move forward in our everyday lives. Let me tell you, we should plan and find moments where we just kind of pause and sit back and ask God those questions. 
God, what have you been doing in our past? What are you continuing to do that is universal and across time? And what are you calling us to do that is somewhat new right in front of us today? Well, we are beginning a new short series for the next two weeks called Find and Follow. And our desire in this series is to inspire you, not just be a history lesson on our church, but to honestly say, God, man, we're so grateful for your provision and your faithfulness to us as a house in the past. We're gonna ask the question, what have you called us to do that's never going away, that's never changing? And then finally, we're gonna ask God, what are you calling us to do next? What are you asking us to do next as a church family? Now, what I imagine for most of you who maybe have been a part of Summit for some time is that this part is probably gonna feel like a nostalgic road trip down memory lane. But I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that there are some of you who haven't been around as long, and so you don't know all the behind the scenes of Summit's history. Well, I want you to know that this series is another mile marker in our church's life for, for several reasons, okay? I want you to know what kind of church you are a part of. I want you to understand what has and will continue to inspire, drive, and motivate us. I also want you to know what we're trying to accomplish so you can put the your yes on the table to all that God wants to do in you and through you here at Summit. Now, Another reason this series is a mile marker in the church's life and in your life is because I believe this will be a clarifying series for you to decide if this is the church for you moving forward. I want you to know that it would be our absolute honor and pleasure to serve as your church. And I want nothing more than for you to want to be here because I believe God wants to do incredible things in you and through you here at Summit. However, at the same time, I also understand that God is the ultimate chess master. He is the board creator, and he will move the pieces around where he sees for maximum kingdom impact. And that might mean that Summit is no longer where God intends to work in and through you. If that should ever be the case, man, we want to help you find wherever that would be. You see, churches are like fingerprints. I mean, they're very similar, but they also have some distinct qualities. And what I mean is that God has called every Christ-centered, gospel-teaching, Jesus-loving church to the very same mission. But he, he has called us to be distinct as well. And the question we're tackling today is, what is the unique calling God has placed upon our church in this time and place in the history of the world as we move forward? So to get started, I was meeting with someone a few months ago who was somewhat new to our church after one of our services. And they introduced themselves and asked how long the church had been there. And I told them, you know, at the time the church was 21 years old. And their question in response was, oh, wow, really young, like you, did you start the church? Now, of course, they could have said anything else. And I wouldn't have heard anything past the fact that I looked 21, right? But of course, I answered no. I didn't start the church. And so I proceeded to give them a brief history uh, of Summit. Now that moment played heavily in my mind as I was as thinking through this message. So I thought it'd be helpful to begin where it all started. I want us to take a condensed road trip down memory lane to see how God sparked a dream and a calling in the lives of our founding pastors that led to this beautiful collective that we now call Summit Church. Now, for those of you who are somewhat new to our church, Summit has a rich, short, but rich history of God's faithfulness and goodness being expressed and lived out in the good times, in the hard times, and in seasons in between. 
However, I felt like I wouldn't do a good job, a good enough job of retelling Summit's story, Summit's beginning. So instead of me, I thought it would be most helpful and heartwarming to hear from some of Summit's founders. So in the beginning, God placed this God-sized vision of planting a church in Orlando in the hearts of three people that would be a beacon of hope, a safe harbor for people to wrestle with the truths of Jesus. And we're fortunate to have two of them still with us today. And I, I took a moment to sit down with them to discuss Summit's history and story. Take a look at this video. Well, hey, Summit, as we take a little break in this message, I just wanted to welcome one, uh, two of our founding pastors, Andy Simons and John Parker, who were part of the original launch team that began this whole dream, this collective that we call Summit Church. And I would love for you guys just to just take a moment to share with the church just some of the history behind uh, of Summit. What was the dream like? What did you guys sense God was calling you to do? What were some of those core things that you guys wanted to make sure showed up and stayed consistent throughout the history of Summit. Um, thanks, Michael. The, I, as I was thinking about it, one of the things um, that really stood out to me was in the in the very beginning of the idea of Summit, before there was a name, before we knew when or how or anything like that. Isaac, Andy, and I would we in the, in the tweener summer between uh, between college and high school and all that we we had a lot of time to dream about what our lives could be like and we the three of us wanted to live lives that made a difference that mattered and so we we hovered around this question of if we could do anything if God if God called us to anything what would we want it to be mm-hmm. and we kept coming back to the idea of being a part of a local church um, we'd been in a church that had transformed our lives. Um, and and we believed that Jesus was serious uh, when uh, when he instituted the church. He could have yeah. done a bunch of different things uh, to 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 give his redeeming message to the world, and he chose um, the church for that. And so, for us, uh, you know, at the heart of it was we we didn't know what we were going to do, how we were going to do it, but we believed that you know more or less Jesus put all his cards uh, in you know, in the local church, and we wanted we wanted to do the same. And then one of the other things that was kind of an early surprise for us, uh, of course, you know, we wanted to the church to not just be for church people, um, but to be for people who are far from God, who had, you know, who are seeking and and, and looking for hope, and we, you know, we we believed in that. Uh, one of the things that was an early surprise was uh, there were people who were who were seekers who had not yet found Jesus, who were part of. Our earliest core team. When we were meeting in the clubhouse, um, you know, on on Thursdays, uh, it, it, they were there. And uh, and one, it was really helpful for our awareness of the of the effect of a church on a person who is uh, who is a seeker. Um, it made us think through what we were saying and how we were saying it. Um, and it also just reminded us um, that the church wasn't just for those who are already included, but yeah. that we needed to. To prioritize and, and shape strategy around what it meant to be um, to be really hopeful for people who are far from God, um, and then one of the other things, and this I think is you know self evident if you think about it, but it's not convenient uh, to start a church. No, it's not. And uh, <laughs> and you know, are the the first couple of years really of the of the church was just a case study in uh, in how much people are willing. To give and sacrifice um, if they believe in the mission of the church, not just us, um, but like there. Were, I mean, we we had 
uh, we had congregants who were who were so committed to the vision, like they were challenging us to to step up our game. And it is it's in you know how we you know have to set up and tear down every week. It's in uh, it's in the the places that we met. You know, gross movie theaters. It's an enduring you know sewage overflow in the cafeteria where we met. Hot Easter, hurricanes, all of those things. And in each of those. It wasn't like we didn't just get through, but the church strengthened um, because of it, because it reminded all of us that we are um, we're here not just for our convenience, but because God is up to something big in the world in the world. And it's worth doing whatever it takes to get to get after it. And so good. Andy, I would love to know just kind of as you were part of this dream and building uh, what it could look like as we gathered as a as a collective, what what would that what that look like in the early days? Yeah, I think as I reflected on this, you know, I was I was 25 years old when we first seriously started to talk about Summit, like it was going to be a real thing. I was 27 when I finally came back from out west and was on staff. But I think um, as I've thought about it, just in some ways the simplicity of it, because we um, we were really just handed a blank page in some regards, and it was like what do we want this church to be? And so I remember thinking, what kind of church uh, do I want to be a part of? And what kind of church would I be excited to invite my friends to be a part of? And um, when you're handed a blank page, you don't start from zero, you know, because you have your experiences leading up. And um, so I had experiences in both, you know, kind of traditional, denominational, uh, old school church, um, and there were good and bad things that right. came with that experience. And then I had experience um, in non-denominational ch- churches, and um, the non-denominational church at that point was was old enough to, you know, it's been around for about 25 years. You could see what was good and what was not so good about that as well. And so, you know, thinking through all of these experiences when thinking through like, okay, a worship service, what elements are going to go in it? Um, I, I often was putting myself in the place of someone who had zero context for church. And so they're walking into this and, um, what are they experiencing? And, um, and also asking the question, um, what is it like for someone walking in who's maybe become disenfranchised with church? They have past, you know, hurts or hangups associated with church and so then when you think through those two vantage points and you think about the elements of the worship service, you either get rid of things that are going to be roadblocks for those folks, right. or you redefine and redeem and recontextualize, you know, those elements. And I think what happened as a result is, um, you know, there were things that were included uh, that were very old and had rich traditions, you know, in, in various denominational traditions within the church. And then there were things, you know, stylistically that maybe felt more like the cultural vernacular of the right. day and felt more like, you know, um, e- easily accessible for folks. And so Summit ended up being um, a place that in some ways felt very uh, old and very new all at the same time. And uh, it was a really special thing to get to be a part of. Yeah. Well, for both of you, <clears> or <throat> as you look at Summit over the last 22 years, uh, what's been one thing that has just been really uh, just just wholesome and good uh, that you've that you've just said, man, I'm so glad that that we were willing to say yes to this. I mean, I think um, I think so much of 
if I find myself in conversations with folks about Summit, especially folks who maybe are skeptical of church, I love to be able to talk about what we've been able to do in the community, um, whether through local service or engagement within the foster care system, just to kind of break down maybe some of that stereotype that church is all about what happens inside and to paint a picture that now we're, we're, we're here to be good for the community around us um, with no strings attached. Yeah. yeah I think for me, um, the reality of transformed lives uh, is, is like the thing that you can only really think about it in abstractions uh, right. before it happens. So you yeah. start a church and you think like people's lives are going to change and they'll find hope and, and all of that. And then you encounter it actually happening. Yeah. And, you know, and it's this person in this circumstance with this level of hopelessness finds the, the, the grace of God through the power of the gospel and their life is actually different. And, uh, and that's the thing that I just like, whether, whether it happens in the sanctuary or through how we serve or through our global partnerships or whatever it might be, like it's actual lives uh, that are being impacted. Um, years, years and years ago, Isaac said, and it seemed almost offhanded, but it, it became internal vernacular for us. You know, he said, truth matters, what you do with your life matters, uh, you matter. And, um, and, and for us, like that, that became really, uh, it identified core motivation for us, right? Like the truth of God does matter. Um, and what we do with our lives does have an impact um, on the world around us. And, and every individual matters. There's no like insignificant or inconsequential uh, life. And so when you get to see glimpses of that, uh, that's the thing that keeps me going. That's so good. Well, thank you guys so much for being able to share. I know it's brief. There's so much more that we could talk about uh, in this moment, but I just want to say, and, and I know I don't just speak for myself. I, I speak on behalf of the thousands of people who've been a part of this house, this beautiful collective that, man, we're so grateful that you guys heard God's calling, that you, Andy and Ashley and you and Brandy and Isaac and Rhonda and that, that original group came together to say yes to what God was going to do. And now we get to be a part of what God is going to be doing forward for our church. So thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Man, I can't begin to tell you how grateful I have been for both of them, as well as their spouses, Ashley Simon and Brandy Parker. The four have been for my wife and I, some of our biggest cheerleaders. In the 11 months that I've been here, I've watched them support us privately and publicly and continue to love and serve and care for this house. It has been an absolute honor and privilege to serve alongside of them. A few months ago, Andy, who was in the video with me, shared a previous video from back from our partnership class in 2006. Now, just for clarification, I was a college sophomore in 2006. Now, if you're new with us, when we use this word partnership, it's our way of talking about being engaged in the life of our church. For about an hour, I watched our founding lead pastor, Isaac Hunter, deliver what became known as Summit's vision statement. In that hour, I watched one of the most impactful breakdowns of Summit's foundation I've heard in my time here. Now, that vision of what Summit was, is, and will continue to be, lives on today. You see, Isaac said it back then, and I want you to know that it's still true now. The hope of the world is Jesus Christ through the local church. There is no other name by which people can be saved than the name of Jesus. It was true then, and it's true now. And Jesus used Isaac, John, and Andy and that original launch group of people to be trailblazers in this city 
to start a church that was unique and gospel center and willing to step into the gaps for people from all walks of life. Now, while it would be fitting to end with those three, it wouldn't be the whole story. You see, I very much acknowledge that while our founders are incredibly important to the whole, there are many more who are part of helping to build the church that you and I are a part of today. I not only stand on the shoulders of Isaac, John, and Andy, but I also stand on the shoulders of the 100 plus employees, contract, part-time, full-time, who over the last 20 plus years have invested all of themselves into this great calling to the kingdom of God. I not only stand on the shoulders of our founders and of the 100 plus people who are who have been or are currently employed by Summit, but I also stand on the shoulders of the thousands, over thousands of people who have volunteered their time to make ministry happen here at Summit. I'm talking about the countless hours of people serving in base camp, our kids ministry, student ministry, serving as connect group leaders, door greeters, ushers, hosts, worship team members, production and tech volunteers, beach baptism, regroup leaders, our 33rd uh, jail ministry, nice serve leaders, nice serve participants, and so many other ministries. You see, I understand that I stand on the shoulders of all who have entrusted the best of the best, the first of their best and the top of their financial resources to summit, to see God's vision for this house, this city get lived out here and now. I adore the fact that as a house, we leverage 15% of all that's given for ministry to this city that happens outside the walls of summit. I understand that I now stand on the shoulder of generosity giants, and that to me is not lost. Throughout our history, our history is short, but it does not lack richness or depth or purpose. All things, good and bad and in between, have been used by God to bring salvation to all things. And I want you to know, I need you to hear me now, that that purpose, that foundation, that dream which God entrusted to our founders is not changing. Here's how I see it. Every person, every human, you and me, we have this thing known as DNA. It's the very thing that you and I are made of, right? It has and will continue into our last breath course through our body. It's been there from the very beginning. DNA is unchanging, it's constant, it's perpetual, and it's sustained. And like our human bodies, the church has also been built on DNA. This house summit has been built on the very DNA that has defined the global church for centuries. You see, in the fifth book of the New Testament, known as the Acts of the Apostle, we find this DNA being expressed for the first time in church history. For context, Acts was written by a friend of the original disciples of Jesus, known as Luke. Uh, you call him Dr. Evangelist. And Acts picks up right where his other writings, the book of Luke, ends. Now, early on, Luke is going to show us this DNA-forming moment for the church. Okay, so Jesus has resurrected. He's met with the disciples and he's ascended to heaven now. And the disciples are, are scared and they're huddled up together at this house. And the helper that Jesus promised to send shows up like a mighty wind. And now the Holy Spirit is with them permanently. Peter, one of the original disciples, he gets up and he preaches the very first message about Jesus to the crowd. Listen to what Luke writes following that message. He says that those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and all, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 
And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, if you're somewhat new to following Jesus and reading the Bible, you need to know that what we just read has been the bare minimum of what a Christ-centered, gospel-teaching, Jesus-loving church should look like. Every church that professes Jesus as Lord should live out this DNA. And from the very beginning, our founders set out to ensure that Summit's DNA accomplished the five major themes we see at this moment in the formation of the global church Jesus wanted to establish. You see, our DNA in this house, the DNA of Summit Church, has been and will continue to always be to reach lost people. I mean, there was a clear understanding that the church wasn't a country club for good people, but a hospital for sinners and a safe harbor for people to wrestle with the truth of the gospel. This house, Summit, will continue to be a safe place for people from all people, found people and lost people, and all of those in between to come and wrestle with the truth we find in God's word. Our DNA will always be to connect in Christ-centered relationships. Not only did the early church preach about the good news of Jesus, not only did they begin to make more disciples of Jesus, but they made sure to surround themselves with others who were becoming followers of Jesus. Our best lives are lived out within, within a loving and encouraging, challenging community of people. As a house, as a church, we will always point you towards and provide you opportunities where you can grow in your faith alongside of other people who are trying to follow Jesus, just like you. Our DNA will always be to teach truth. Now, as the disciples were being filled with the Holy Spirit, the disciples were, were speaking in their native or other native tongues. And some of the onlookers assumed that this was happening because they were drunk. And I, I love Peter's immediate response to this. He says, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Now, every time I read that, I'm always like, well, Peter, it's always five o'clock somewhere, right? But from that very moment, Peter begins to take those listening through a theological journey of how this moment came about. He connects several Old Testament prophecies to the person of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. And then in one powerful moment, we see and hear the most powerful sermon ever given by someone other than Jesus. Luke writes, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brother, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who call by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Now, Peter didn't shy away from the truth that was right before them. He wanted them to see that this Jesus was ushering in a new way, a better way of living out all that God expected of his creation. 
Now, this was so different than what had been taught by the religious leaders. But at the same time, this wasn't like a free for all. It wasn't a live your own truth or you do you or do whatever your heart desires kind of truth. No, no. Now, you may have heard us say this before, but following Jesus is optional. But how we follow Jesus is not. And Peter calls everyone at that moment to take a real hard look at their life. And if their desire was to follow this new and better way of Jesus, they were going to have to deal with how the truth of Jesus affected their life. I want you to know that this house, Summit, will continue to be a safe place for all people, regardless of their story, to wrestle with the truth of Jesus. Now, what that means is that you won't be judged here. You won't be condemned here. And all are welcome here. But what that also means is that we won't shy away from the truth. We're going to teach the full counsel of the word of God without reservation because we understand that the truth of who Jesus is and what he offers us is, is better in comparison to any version of the truth the world has to offer. Our DNA will always be to serve others. One of the markers of the early church was their wholehearted desire to serve each other. I mean, they gave all they had, all of their possessions, so that the person to their right and to their left didn't go without. But it didn't just stop there. All of what they pulled together went not only for the benefit of their collective, but also for the benefit of all of those who are in need. This house, Summit, will continue to be a place in which we are people who are marked not by only being consumers, but more importantly, contributors. We will continue to give of ourselves over to each other and to our city and beyond that to further the advancement of the way of Jesus. Lastly, our DNA will be always to worship God. Now, when we talk about this DNA of worshiping God, we're talking about giving our full selves to being fully devoted to God in all that we do, in all that we are. Every action, every thought, every moment in our lives is an act of worship to God. And this house, Summit, will continue to devote its whole life for however long God continues to use Summit to God and God alone. I'm telling you, church, this is our DNA and it isn't changing. As long as I'm here, we will continue to reach lost people, connect in Christ-centered relationships, teach truth, serve others, and worship God. When that day comes, when I pass the mantle of leadership on to the next leader of Summit, hopefully not for a very long time, God willing, but I want to look back and know that while we were able to accomplish a lot for God, we never lost our DNA. You see, we see so many examples in the scriptures of God going after the same mission, but in many, many different ways. I love the message that God gives the prophet Isaiah to deliver the people in the first century as they were facing a hopeless future. God wants to deliver some hope to them. So he tells Isaiah to tell them, he says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm about to do for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. He says, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do for I'm about to do something new. You see, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And since the fall in the garden, God's chief desire has been to redeem his creation. And that desire has not changed. Yet God is going to go about it in a different way, a new way, a way that we couldn't have dreamt up in a billion years. God's end goal for his creation hadn't changed and his desire for his people hadn't changed. But how he was going to go about that and arriving at that goal did. 
Now, the same is true for Summit. While our DNA has been unchanging over the last 22 years, how we've lived that out has. The things that we started doing back in 2002 aren't necessarily the things that we are doing now. Summit has had to adapt and morph and change and shift and pivot many, many times in order to accomplish all that God has desired of it. And the question that we've been asking is, God, what are you asking us to do moving forward? How do you want to use this church for your kingdom purpose in this next season of Summit's life? So over the course of the last year, I've asked our governance board, our executive leadership team and our staff to begin praying about a singular focus, a direction I believe God has made clear for our house to move toward. It's a direction that takes into account our DNA, the core foundational pieces that have made Summit what it is, God's unchanging desire for the local church and where we believe God is leading our church. Now, what this means is that our singular focus as a house at all of our campuses, all of our ministry departments and all of our efforts will be to accomplish this one mission, a mission that God has charged the local church with since its inception. Every single Christ-centered, gospel-teaching, Jesus-loving church is living out this mission, nuanced in its own way, though. Now, today, I'm excited to launch our church's new mission. This mission will determine all of our decision-making and how we steward all of the resources you generously give towards the kingdom uh, work of God. Everything will flow from this singular focus mission. Here it is. Our mission is to inspire people to find and follow the way of Jesus. You see, at the end of our time on earth, whenever Jesus decides to return, my hope and desire is that we as a house will be able to say we did all we could to inspire people to find and follow the way of Jesus. Now, what I love about this mission is that it encapsulates our DNA, who Summit has been, what Summit is, and where Summit is headed. We believe that this mission will allow us to take everything we've done, everything we're currently doing, and everything that's on the horizon and put all of our energy and effort and resources toward all that God is asking us to do through this mission. Now, I wanna be honest with you. This mission is going to challenge us. It's going to push us to get outside of our comfort zones. It's going to ask each of us to move from being consumers of the church to being contributors to God's great mission. It's going to challenge our very own assumptions as well as ask us to take risk in order to inspire people, inspire people to take that next step of faith towards Jesus. Here's what I know. Orlando is in the top 10 in the country in unchurched people. Let that sink in for a second. We live in one of the most unchurched cities in the entire United States, and it's becoming more unchurched by the day. More and more people are moving here, young professionals, families, and many more who may or may not know the love, grace, and truth of Jesus. That should break your heart because it breaks the heart of God. That's what this mission is all about. It's our way of aligning ourselves with God's heart for Orlando and beyond. This mission will ask us to remove unnecessary barriers that are keeping people from Jesus. What I mean by that is that there are things that are unnecessary that are keeping people from being inspired to find and follow the way of Jesus. And we have to be willing to remove them. Now, we acknowledge that there are some necessary barriers. The truth of Jesus we find in the scriptures is a necessary barrier. People will choose to walk away from Jesus because they choose to either not believe it or to follow it. And that will break our hearts but we will not compromise the truth of Jesus. 
But for those things that are, aren't necessary or essential for someone to find and follow Jesus, we have to have open hands in order to inspire those far from God to draw near. Now, next week, we're gonna dive more into this mission and break it all down. We're gonna talk through each section of this mission. I believe the best is yet to come for Summit. And my hope is that you will join us for what we believe will be an incredible journey. We believe that this place, this house, will continue to be a beacon of hope, a place of healing, a house of truth, a safe haven for relationships, a deep well of spiritual formation, a generous community, and a place where people by the thousands are inspired to find and follow the way of Jesus. Now, if you're watching today and you would say, man, that's something I want to be a part of, but I don't yet know this Jesus. Well, can I tell you, today's the day. And it's as easy, not simple, but it's as easy as admitting that you need Jesus, that your life apart from him is not the life you should be living. Believing that Jesus is the son of God and that he died for you and choosing today to say yes to him. Let me tell you, if you made that choice today, all of heaven rejoices and so do we. Man, let us know. We'd love to come alongside of you to help you take the next steps in your faith journey. Jesus, we're so grateful for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in the last 22 years of Summit. Thank you, Lord, for what you are currently doing in this house. And Lord, would you make clear the pathway for what you want us to accomplish? Lord, would you give us the energy, the, 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 the power the resources to inspire as many people as possible to find and follow your way, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name and the house said, Thank you for listening with us today. You can also watch our video services on YouTube or at summitconnect.org and check out our show notes to link to our website and follow us on social media. Now go in God's grace and peace. We hope you join us next time.